Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm freezing. This uh, this my podcast room is in the basement and the room was closed all day. The, the, excuse me, the door was closed to the room all day. And it doesn't have, I don't know if it has any heating vents other than the heat coming in the door. And it is freezing in this room. Other than that, I'm happy, Bruce. It was an unexpected victory, I, I, I thought. I just kept expecting, you just wrote a post about how the others have been sieving on defense. And I just expected them to collapse on defense at any point. And it happened a little bit on some of the goals against, but it didn't really happen in crunch time. It was Dallas who came apart. It was Dallas the Dallas goalie might have let in a few. He would like back, as the announcers like to say. And uh, the Oilers won it 6-3. to three. That was very... Man, it seems like every time the Oilers win this, this year, it's like a, a much-needed win, Bruce. But again, it was a much-needed win because they, they're just keeping it so close to the, um, to the edge uh, of being, you know, kind of on the outside of the playoffs. And they're kind of scraping along here and getting players back and one of them tonight Warren Fogel contributed anyway Bruce um, this is our two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast and because it's a pretty big Oilers win we'll go with two good things each so why don't you start it off what's your first good thing tonight I'm going to give a big shout out to coach Jay Woodcroft I thought he did a masterful job of disguise uh, I wrote a big post uh, as about uh, Oilers' issues defensively and about how the McDavid dry saddle line has been outscored uh, in each of the three losses that the Oilers <clears throat> suffered recently. And in fact, in four of the last five games, they got outscored, and the Oilers lost all four of those games by one goal. So <clears throat> I thought, and this was hardly a, a, a lone voice in the wilderness, I thought it was high time that they broke the lineup and did something different. Uh, <clears throat> And I, I was frankly expecting it, but Woodcroft played it pretty close to his chest to the point that he even had NHL.com releasing the Oilers forward lines. It's basically status quo from uh, uh, from last game. And when I updated my post to do that sort of game day this afternoon, I was sort of, well, I'm really surprised, but here you are. They're going to stick with the same thing, you know. And then just before game time, uh, I guess uh, was uh, when uh, uh, it became known. They didn't do them in the warm-up, apparently. They didn't use these lines, but they had them ready to go in the game. So the ruse is a small part of it. The bigger part of it is the actual lines that um, Woodcroft came up with, which was really, I thought, all four lines really clicked together. And it was a very different look with the centers three, uh, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Newton Hopkins, each on their own line, uh, each playing with uh, at least one different winger that they, you know, didn't play a lot with. I guess the uh, uh, McDavid, Pogliarvi, uh, Hyman line had played a bunch of time earlier in the season, now that I think about it, but uh, uh, they gave uh, uh, Newton Hopkins really uh, <clears throat> Tim Costin on his wing with... Uh, Matthias Janmark, his usual running mate, and they took Yamamoto off that set, and I thought that was an inspired combination, and obviously they had a really big game that you're going to talk about more in a minute. 
And then uh, we had uh, Drysaddle uh, uh, reunited with uh, Yamamoto with Warren Fogle on the left side. And of course, they combined for the uh, game-winning goal. And I thought they had a strong game, those guys. And they were creating quite a bit and they weren't giving up very much. And I mean, it was a wide open game. And Dallas is a very good team, top 10 in you know, goals for, goals against, power play, penalty kill, face offs. I mean, that's a strong team. And the Oilers basically uh, has stayed with them and then one going away at the end. And even the fourth line where uh, Devin Shore was uh, given a merciful seat in the press box and uh, James Hamlin came in and I thought he played pretty good. And those guys gave the team, I thought, eight solid minutes tonight. Didn't give they up did. a whole, didn't give up a whole lot, and and uh, created a little bit. And Dylan Holloway was throwing his weight around a little bit, and uh, uh, so I, I really thought all four of the new lines were effective, and I just <clears throat> thought it was a refresh that the Oilers badly needed. So credit for to Woodcroft for getting it right, and credit to him, I think, for the sly way in which he introduced that, which uh, may have caused some. Uh, some sort of in-game consternation on the part of uh, Dallas and their head coach, Pete DeBoer, who, for whatever reason, is one of the coaches in the league that I personally dislike. So I love to see him on the defensive and and not really having the answers like he didn't have tonight. And uh, so score one for the coach. And uh, uh, we haven't been given many shout-outs to Woodcroft this year like we did last year, and with reason. I mean, his team's been struggling. Uh, but uh, they didn't struggle tonight. They played a good game. They deserved to win it, and they won it. Maybe it's his dour face. His <laughs> DeBoer's de dour face. He's a very yeah. serious-looking man. Crabby-looking. Anyway. Now, La Violette's another one, but there's a specific reason that I have it, have it on for La Violette, because, of course, he coached the Hurricanes in the 06 Stanley Cup Finals, so... Yeah. Uh yeah, good for Woodcroft. Those were those were good lines, Bruce. And um I'm going to uh, the the magic came um from two lines in particular in the end. Drysaddle's line and uh, Nugent Hopkins' line. And I'll start with Drysaddle's line cuz they, they got the winning goal and just just that play itself. Huh? Um Leon um, had an up and down game. He had some defensive mistakes, but he he drove the team on a night when Connor McDavid was really quiet. Leon um, made major contributions to six grade A shots at even strength. The order, the grade A shots overall were thirteen to thirteen. So Leon was, in fact, the prime offensive driver on the team, although he didn't have the most points or goals. Right. Uh, but he was in on the key goal where um, Warren Fogle, who had had a had a pretty quiet game, that line had not been outstanding they got better as the game went along um Yamamoto um missed a few chances around the net flubbed a few chances around the net but um they dry set on Yamamoto like playing together anyway um Fogel's going in there he hadn't done much all game and he gets in there hard on the forecheck and he forces a turnover from the Dallas defenseman that goes right onto Leon's stick that's not the guy you want to turn the puck over in the offensive zone to Leon Dreisaitl second leading uh, point scorer in the NHL. And um, he made just a, a scintillating pass over to um, Fogel, who then made it an even better shot. He, he, very few people other than Leon Dreisaitl can execute the executioner's shot 
where you just kind of one time it lashing your stick towards the net and firing hard into the top of the net. What a shot from Warren Fogle. Every, every dog shall have his day and every cat will mute. (laughs) That was an incredible, that was an incredible shot from Fogel. He'll be reliving that for, for months now. He'll, every time he's having a quiet moment, he'll just think of that shot and he'll be fe- feeling happy because that was a hell of a shot. That was an incredible play by Warren Fogel. And it just shows, you know, um, he is a solid player. The Oilers do miss him when he, when he was out of the lineup. It's good that he's back. It's good that McLeod's coming back. I mean, I don't think the Oilers have been incredibly banged up this year. Um, they haven't lost many defensemen, for instance, um, all year long. That's usually something that happens. And so it's not like the Oilers have suffered um, injury woes that are incredible like or worse than other. Yeah, worse than other teams. They've been kind of. I'm guessing they're about league average in terms of losing players this year. And but uh, it's good that Fogel's back, and that was a fantastic goal. Yeah, well, he had been kind of the goat earlier when he took what I thought was a pretty lame interference call, but it wound up costing Edmonton the uh, the two two goal, I think it was. Uh, or no, it was the three three goal late yeah. in the second with Fogel in the box. One of a series of lame calls. And now it was Fogel. I think it was Fogel who drew uh, the penalty on uh, uh, Tyler Sagan early in the second period. That led to Edmonton's power play goal. So there's that. So I guess that he evened up on that. And that also was a pretty lame call. Like all the penalties that were called in this game added up was worth about one minor penalty. Anyway, uh, they wound up sawing off 1-1 on power play goals. So we can say that that really was a non-factor other than it was aggravating at times. Man, Zach Hyman, that penalty he got for trying to stay onside. Oh. Anyway. I think that was a penalty, though. Like, he did clip well, him. He, he, he was just hustling to get to the blue line and just incidental contact. But, but anyway. nonetheless, I, well, I mean, I didn't like Fogel. Because they called it. I didn't like Fo- the call on Fogel at all. Like compared to uh, normal interference, that was <laughs> crap. Come, I mean, come, come on. Connor McDavid's interfered like that every shift three or four times. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous yeah. that Fogel would get called for that. Well, was and there was four, four interference penalties in this game. Yeah. So. Uh. I mean, yeah, that was on the agenda tonight, apparently. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked on that stuff. I'm just saying Fogel Fogel drew a penalty. He took a penalty. Both both ones were kind of marginal calls and both both lethal power plays converted it into a goal, which is, you know, it it stings to take a cheap penalty against a team with a really strong power play. but the good news for Oilers fans, nobody has a stronger power play than your Edmonton Oilers. And they proved it yet again tonight. The yes. quick conversion of their first chance. Historic power play, eh? Yeah. And that was, which, uh, is that, was that your second good thing or what are you going to go oh. with? Uh, oh, okay. No, that was. Uh, that was a pretty good thing, but. My, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just kind of expanding on your comment there. Yeah. So. Uh, go ahead. What yeah. is your. Uh, yeah, my my second good thing is just um, uh, the play of the of the foot soldiers. Like I say, the new deployment allowed players to get involved a little bit, and we had some funky things happen tonight. Like Marcus Niemelainen, and number six <clears throat> defenseman on the team, uh, uh, and you know defines the third pairing no matter who his partner is. I would say plus four in this game. Uh, with a shot, and of course with four hits, 
which is his big thing, but just a whole lot of good, solid grinding. And, and I thought, you know, just, just uh, moving the puck in the, uh, in the right direction. And he and uh, uh, Evan Bouchard. Bouchard had, I mean, the shots on net when they were on the ice, uh, five on five, was 10-2 for Edmonton. And I thought Niemerlainen was, you know, decent in, at the offensive blue line. Nothing special, but, you know, he, he, he did smart things with the puck. And in the own zone, he uh, he put up a battle. He took a couple of hits and he dished out a few and, and uh, played a solid game. Uh, yes, the pulled Yarby that's been taking all sorts of abuse in, in various corners of uh, uh, the Internet and the media. Uh uh, had I thought a tremendous third period. Uh, he played. He made by our count, David, three different major contributions to Grade A chances by the Oilers. All of them by winning battles, and that's his game. Uh, including a great play on the McDavid goal. Uh, that uh, uh, where he came. Uh, the puck came around the wall, and he was guarding the middle of the ice, and he had to get on his horse from just across sort of the center line of the of the ice uh, all the way to the right wing boards to saw off the battle when the puck came around the defenseman was there to keep it in maybe it was Suter anyway whoever the left defenseman was for uh, Dallas and uh, yes yeah, so I won that battle and the puck bounced to Cody Cece and he made a beautiful lead pass to, to McDavid and McDavid was off to the races and he really made for McDavid on what was an uber quiet night, uh, he, uh, he you know made a real nice play and, and scored. And if you look at the replay, all the replays they showed on TV, four of them, and they all showed the CC pass, and none of them showed the Pugliarvi one battle, which to me was the play, the start of the play. Without that, none of the rest of it even happens. And if you're watching the celebration, goal celebration, watch McDavid's. Uh, response specifically to pull Yarvey as he as he pulls into the presentation and he knows uh, he knew what uh, what, uh, what a big part of that play was and that was the goal that put this game away and I mean Warren Fogel you already talked about obviously uh, uh, well you're going to talk about the the third line with uh, with Nuge with uh, Costin and Yanmark those guys came up with big games and uh, on the fourth line just uh, uh, Tipped in with a solid performance. So to me, that's this was a a 19-man effort. Like I, mean, I think the, the the team as a whole played well. And if anything, it was the star players who were kind of having a you know a less lesser than normal night. And the the rest of the lineup that really chipped in with a with a strong effort. Yeah, I liked the. Uh, I just thought the one line really stood out as quite a bit better than the other lines, and that was Nugent Hopkins, Janmark, and Costin. And I'm not surprised that he kept Janmark and Nugent Hopkins together. Janmark, he has been playing very strong two-way hockey, and he just hasn't been rewarded with points, goals or points, until tonight. So um, it was nice to see that happen, and it was nice to see him get a few points because he's been playing well. And if, if, if Ford only has two or three points, it looks like you know, after 20 games, it looks like he's been crappy, right? So he hasn't been. Yeah, and he hasn't been. No, I think he's actually been pretty, pretty good. And um, let's see what he has now. He's now got six points in 20 games, so that looks a lot he better doubled, than he doubled his season. He's total doubled in one it. Game. And and new 
And Nuge, I, I don't remember who it was, where I think maybe you said, like, <laughs> he's finally got his man strength. Yeah, maybe you had that on the internet Your somewhere. Podcast, that, was a, so. that was a very funny comment. I keep repeating that to my wife. She loves, uh, she, Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto are her favorite players. And um, so I keep telling her that and she laughs every time. So, because it is, <laughs> it's a funny comment. Well, I think it's, I think it's true. It is funny because of course his, his, uh, uh, his Achilles yeah. heel for much of his career has been uh, his, his inability to win battles. Yeah. And I mean, for his man strength, I mean, it's not like he's a, he's a, uh, Achilles, uh, but he's no longer losing battles. And he, you know, I mean, he's, I mean, he loses some, obviously everyone does, but he's no longer losing like the majority of battles because he's getting overpowered. Uh, he's the strongest he's probably going to get. He's probably right in his athletic prime at 29 years old. And he's not getting pushed around in any way, shape or form out there. And he's, uh, he's showing up in, in, in the dirty areas, as the commenters also like to say. And coming away with the puck, and or getting the puck from those dirty areas to good places, like onto the sticks of teammates or into the back of the net. He he, um, it is surprising because honestly, I always expected him to play this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he came in the NHL, people were saying, you know, this player, if he develops as well as he can, he could be the next Pavel Datsuk. I remember that uh, mm-hmm. that kind of. Co- and I'm, I was thinking. Yeah, and I was thinking, oh, well, that's really because he's got offensive skill. So I just kept. I was thinking more like Davy Keon, which is another really fantastic yeah. hockey player, obviously. Yes. But but Keon always played. I but my recollections of Keon are late in his career when he when he probably when he had his man strength and he was very tenacious hockey player. He just totally dug in all the time and hustled like crazy. I've always felt that Nuge didn't dig in hard enough, didn't battle hard enough, with all his skill. He just didn't, and that's what was holding him back from being. That's why he was put on the wing because he wasn't getting it done at center because he was getting bowled over on the boards and in the slot. But maybe you're right. Maybe it was never a matter of effort, and it was more always a matter of strength. But I'm going to go with both. I'm going to say Bruce. He's got his man strength both physically and mentally. Yes, that's and that fair. a big part of what I'm seeing is a player who is determined. I am. He is not losing battles anymore. He is going to go into every battle with the idea he's going to win it. And man, tonight did he ever win a lot of battles? It was it was repeated in all over the ice. He wins the puck and he controls the puck and he moves the puck. I mean, he's playing he's playing the kind of center that should be inspirational to both McDavid and Drysaitel, who both have their laps more lapses on defense that I'm seeing from Nugent Hopkins. It used to be the other way around. Nugent Hopkins would make more mistakes on defense than the two younger centers. Now he's the one who's leading the way and showing those two players, this is how you get it done as a two-way center against top competition in the NHL. And uh, good for him. Plus he's he's scoring. So the scoring plays were, um, they weren't, you know, uh, and Costin, I'll just focus on him for a second. He, he um, He's a big guy who can protect the puck and make smart plays with it. I was impressed actually tonight with the um, the intelligence of his passing. He would get the puck, he wouldn't panic, and he would make a nice play. And that was on the first goal we saw it. He took it around the net. Nugent Hopkins went hard to the net, right into the blue paint, took took a player or two with him. And Janmark just had to put that into the net. That's an easy goal, easy goal for an NHL player to score. And it was and it was because of Costin's very heads up play and putting the puck across. 
the next goal, which was for that line, was Nugent Hopkins' uh, goal at even strength. And I think Janmark sent him in on the rush. And Nugent just fired a hard shot at net, which deflected off, I'm almost I'm almost certain, uh, the um, Dallas defender's stick and into the net, uh, beating Ottinger. It's the kind of goal, though, that they, they just... It's a kind of a bit of a backbreaker on a team because again, it's a shot from outside. You don't expect that mm-hmm. to go in, and when it does, it really hurts. So that was very uh, that was a very welcome moment in the hockey game. It's a hard shot, and uh, let's put it this way: we've seen enough of those goals go into Oilers' net. So it's nice to get a bounce at the other end once in a while. It wasn't like a totally unearned goal. It was just sort of a yeah B shot that the deflection turned into an A shot, but it was hard and it found a hole. That happens. And then the last goal was the empty netter where um, Nima Linen blocks a shot. Costin wins the, the battle. Costin and Nuge both win battles on the boards and get it over to Janmark. And, and again, I just felt it's fitting, right? He, he he is such a smart hockey player. He's a good hockey player. He's been in, he's in, he's been involved, actually, in creating a lot of great A shots. They just haven't gone in. So he got here he got a point off um, in an empty net shot from outside. Where, you know, some players, Josh Archibald would have missed that one. <laughs> well, some players would have pa- panicked and shot yeah. him into the defenseman's skates. And he made yeah. a really crafty play there at the blue line. He made the defenseman commit and then he just held it and he drifted a little bit wider and gave himself a clear lane to the net. And then he hit the, sh- hit the shot. A very, yeah. compo- very composed play by Janmark. Very composed player. And this had, this had to be a very fun game for him as a longtime member of the Dallas Stars to go into Dallas and uh, come away with a first star performance. This is one he'll he'll put in his sort of career highlight bank. You know, Bruce, I don't have a history of liking uh, third and fourth line players on the Edmonton Oilers very much. I think especially fourth line centers. I end up hating almost every one of them, I'm sorry to say, which is uh, yeah. Anyway, James but I'm Hamlet, liking. Yeah, come on down. <laughs> I I'm just destined not to like James Hamlet. I feel terrible about it, but I'm trying. Like so far, I like what I see. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I like Devin Shore's play at one time too. Uh, I like Mark Letestu at one at one point as well. But they sometimes they overstay their welcome. But anyway, Matthias Janmark, he he's probably like a third line winger on the orders, but. Ever since I've seen him, every game he's played, I just thought, this is a really smart and useful hockey player. I really like the way he plays hockey. He's a good hockey player, so that's a hell of a signing. I didn't know this about him. I, you know, I don't follow the other teams that closely, and I don't certainly don't do video review of them. But this is this is a good hockey player that they found, and he is a hockey player. You know, if you can get healthy for the playoffs, and you get McLeod and Kane back, and you know, you load up the top lines. Here's you know a third line in the playoffs of Nugent Hopkins, Janmark, and Costin. If that's a possibility, that could go. That could help you win some games, Bruce. That's really exciting. Or you get Kane and uh, back, and you got McLeod back, and then even those guys are on your fourth line. Well, guess what? Now you've got a fourth line that you don't have to keep on the bench for 55 minutes. You can, you know, get them out there for 10 or 12 minutes and uh, and be okay with it. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, Janmark, he I saw him real good during the bubble playoffs here in uh, uh, 2020. And, of course, the whole Western Conference from the beginning was here in Edmonton and all the games were from Rogers Place. And I saw a lot of those games, uh, especially uh, when Dallas took out Calgary. I kind of became a closet Matthias Janmark fan during that series. And they played 26 games in that playoff run before they finally got toppled by Tampa Bay. 
And a lot of, you know, they won three game sevens, uh, I believe. Anyway, they, they certainly had, uh, uh, they had, they had an extent, there was five series, I guess, for them. So they, anyway, they had a long, a long, hard uh, go at it. And he just impressed me as, you know, just a smart depth player who wouldn't hurt you. And every once in a while he could, you know, do something offensively and kill penalties and, you know, win board battles. And I'm seeing that same player here and I'm liking him quite a lot. And it's, you know, all of a sudden now with this performance, he's got six points in, what did you say, 20 games? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, that's decent bottom six production because he never sees any time on the power play. And so, you know, he's got to get all of his points at even strength and maybe the odd one on the penalty kill. And tonight, I mean, even the empty netter, uh, that line and defense pair wouldn't have been out there, but they iced the puck and then Dallas pulled the goalie. So they were, or they were stuck with their, you know, third line and third pairing and it took them, what, 15 seconds to ice the game. So, so uh, job well done. Bruce, what is your bad thing? <sighs> This is a tough one, Dave. Uh, I know you got. I'm going to let you rant first, and and I'm going to focus on my bad thing, if you don't mind, because I, I okay. I'm, I already kind of ranted on the refs, and I, I got no orders. I'm going to scream and yell at, but I think you got one, so you go, you go for it. Well, <laughs> I think this was another bad game from Darnell Nurse, and um, uh, what I'm what I'm noticing here's what I notice about him overall, Bruce, because I was watching him closely the way he's playing and he's been playing heavy minutes and what I see is a player who no longer really hustles on defense he seems like he's conserving energy um and there was one play uh in the second period which really defined it they were in the um Dallas was in the Oilers end passing the puck around and um the puck was they had rushed it in and took it around the net and was going to come back out to the slot and instead of quickly identifying the player in the slot, I think it was. Um, um, I'll just give me a, give me a second. Is I'll get his name in a second here. Uh, Johnson Wyatt Johnson, who had just oh. scored a goal, just previously scored a goal. He was wide open in the slot, and Nurse just he identified he just he he took too long to identify him as the trouble as the danger man, and then he finally moved over to him instead of just being wired into the game. And, you know, hustling over to get onto that guy before he can get off the shot. Now, he missed the net on the shot, but he could have easily scored. And it's because Nurse was late to him. And this is, this is, I think the fundamental problem is he's developed some bad habits because he's trying, he, out of conserving energy, um, he's not, he's not alert enough. He's not thinking, I got to hustle, hustle, hustle. He's thinking, I got to kind of conserve energy so I can stay out here for half the game, which is what they're asking him to do. So I, I just think they, they definitely need to cut back his ice time, which they did tonight. He, he played less tonight. I think he played 22 minutes, 23 minutes. And he's got to he's got to go hard every second he's out there. Don't leave anything on a shift. Don't conserve energy and just have, you know, they've got it. Woodcroft and Madsen have got to play other players then because this isn't working out. We're also seeing, you know, the the first play that got me going was um, Drysdale got beat around the net, and the nurse went down because he thought there might be a pass into the slot. But again, he he's down on his belly, and then the guy went around the net and set set up a the scorer in the slot. Nurse's man, he's down on his belly. I mean, how many times now have we talked about this, complained about this? This is a tactic, it's which a is complete, 
it is clearly not working. It's clearly not working. It's it's it almost cost the team on that play. There, he's lucky. You know, people would have been. I was already screaming. I'm I'm I, like I'm not on Twitter. I'm sure it was a crap show on Twitter the second that happened because people have had enough, and someone's got to talk to him. There needs an intervention. Like his best friends have got to get together. Like, don't do that anymore. That tactic is not working. It's not a good play. You're much better off there. Now you're a big rangy guy with quick feet. Stay on your feet and make the play. Stay on your feet and make the play. And make the next play. <sighs> and make the next Don't play. take yourself out of it so you can't clean up the mess later. Because on that play, he was down on the one post, and the guy just went right around the net and made the pass from the other post to, to Nurse's man, who was like eight feet right in front, and he slammed it on net, and Skinner made a great save there. That one was, was in the net. Uh, <clears throat> so... Maybe what he needs is uh, is uh, uh, some time with Coach Eddie Shore, who was famous for not liking goalies who went down to make saves and always threatened to tie them by their necks to the crossbar. So <laughs> I think he did that, Bruce. He just didn't threaten. <laughs> he actually he, did it. Yes, I think he did that. It's true. This is this is the, a different uh, era. The Springfield Indians of the AHL, and they were an unaffiliated. They had no National Hockey League team, so Shore was in it to win it. He was there. He wasn't there to be a feeder team for anybody else. I mean, he'd sell players for profit, but he, he was there as as a uh, uh, fanatical hockey man. This so, was the era of intimidation <laughs> and rampant bullying. You know all the anti-bullying yes. stuff in schools now? Yes. Okay, it d- flows directly out of our culture of, you know, from the 1900, you know, 1900 to 1990, you know, just the rampant bullying that was going on in in life, schools, business, everywhere in the world, which which was horrible. All right, uh, I'm nurse. My pink shirt day, anti-bullying shirt. Um, Good pink shirt day tonight. Now that we mention it, anyway, I think some sort of intervention, like because he does it so by rote that as soon as there's an emergency, he drops down to the ice to try and take a lane away or try and cover as much ice as he can. Well, but by making himself horizontal, he takes himself out of the play vertically and he takes his skates uh, which are one of his prime strengths out of the play so uh, it's that, not working uh, I know it's and not. on the Wyatt Johnson actually on the Wyatt Johnson goal David yeah I was going to absolutely wicked shot by the 19 year old kid but uh, Nurse went uh, roaming and you know not in a bad way I didn't think but he got all the way up onto the right wing corner and then when the counter attack came it came up the right side and he was kind of in the middle of the ice kind of near cc and he did not recognize the danger and by the time he took a step towards wyatt johnson johnson was gone and in on net and he just rifled a great shot home and just a small mistake but in the nhl small mistakes get punished this one, i don't think it was a small mistake bruce this is one of these times when he's I don't know what's going on. He's was he, he was he in conserving energy mode? Listen, I don't have a problem. Like defensemen obviously should be joining the attack. It's it's great to join the attack, but maybe after you take that shot, or you know, I can't remember if he shot it, but you know, just in that moment, get back into your position, hustle yeah, really. back as hard as you can. Where's that ethic, right? The hustling back as hard as you can into your position, because Clem Costin was covering for him, and. Wyatt Johnson went around Clem Costin like he was an NHL rookie forward 
who can't play defense, which is exactly what Clem Costin is. Can't defend backwards. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, Darnell's thinking, oh, maybe Clem's got Clem's got it. He's in my spot. No, he doesn't have it. That is, that is, it's okay to rush the puck, but get the heck back and get in your spot. You know, you come up through the middle of this. He could have done it too. There was time to do it. So I just found, I, I, I'm finding the habits that he's developed. And again, I think it's through kind of a, uh, maybe even a subconscious thing where he's just trying to save energy and he's thinking, I don't, I shouldn't hustle all the time, hustle all the time, hustle on defense all the time and then get off the ice, play conservative hockey and then get off the ice, stay on your feet, hustle, play conservative hockey. And Darnell Nurse can be an outstanding defensive defenseman who adds to the attack. He's got to define himself this way, Bruce, because it's, it's, we're having like two weeks here of, of Titanic, level play from Darnell Nurse mm-hmm. and it's starting and it, to uh, starting to turn the fan base against them including me who I and I have always been a fan of Darnell Nurse but it's it's getting a bit much I thought he had about 80 percent of a, of a strong game tonight but those you know clangers of of mistakes or where he's down on the ice while they're making things happen around him uh was a you know a pretty loud 20 percent uh I thought he was good on the PK he did make one emergency save where he was down and he actually helped keep the puck out on that so well did he because it went off him and skinner it went off him then skinner had to save it and then ben hit the post but but he was on that play he was cross-checked to the ice so it's a little different i mean he he um was down not necessarily because he chose to be but because jamie ben clobbered him so so anyway he he uh he did lots right in this game but as you say it's got it's always been a case with this player and i've long for years i've been cautioning people watch the whole player if you just focus on his mistakes you're going to hate the guy because he makes a lot of mistakes and he's always been like that but he's also always made a lot of good plays and on balance hopefully there's more good than bad well lately i would say he's been struggling with that ratio and he's been getting ratioed in other ways on uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I got no complaints with his effort, but I do, you know, sometimes think it's just been in the wrong place. But, uh, you know, I, I think he puts his heart on his sleeve and plays hard for this team. And he, oh, God, he does. He does. He, he, and he is such a, he is a, he is a really good hockey player. And, um, you know, that said, I almost gave him a two, but when, <laughs> <laughs> when I did think about the totality of his game, there were some good plays. He did join the rush a few times, and you know he had some good oh, plays yeah, on the he attack. Was the Yamamoto, where Yams missed the net. Man, yeah, he, he had some good plays. Like he's a good hockey player. He just needs to he needs to settle down. And I really do blame the coaches to a large extent. They just can't play him those. Don't give him those 27, 28 minute games. It's not it doesn't work. It's not working for this player. He's not that player who can. Some players can sit in the rocking chair or will sit in the rocking chair and play that amount of ice time. Nurse doesn't have that game where the rocking chair is working out. I don't think he's that player. He's an energy player and um, he needs to play high energy shifts and get off the ice and play about 22 minutes a game. Well, this is a game where Marcus Niemelainen played 16 minutes and 29 seconds. And that was a really, instead of the usual nine minutes, whatever they've been giving him. And he responded, you know, I mean, he played a strong game, which is presumably why they gave him more minutes. But that allowed them to, to scale Nurse back by a couple of minutes. And it worked out well, for obviously, for the team. Uh, What's your was, bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to go with the 3-3. Three, three. 
just because I'm particularly sick of seeing this goal. Uh, and this was uh, on the power play like oh, yeah. it usually is for the other guys. And this is on a whole play where Edmonton loses the face-off in their own zone on the power play, and they lose it so cleanly that nobody has a chance to even get out to make a play. And the puck went from the face-off to the right defenseman to the left defenseman. He fired a, a very good shot pass uh, just off the net, which uh, Tyler Sagan got a stick on and tipped into the top corner. And there was, a, you know, the small matter of the lost face-off, which obviously you're going to lose some face-offs. Uh, and they couldn't contain the outside shot. Nobody was able to tie up Ben's stick. And the Stars just made it look ridiculously easy to score against the Oilers' penalty kill. And the sad fact is that it has been ridiculously easy to score against the Oilers' penalty kill on too many nights this season. Just the one tonight on this one play. And literally, I mean, Skinner had just made a fantastic save. I think it was four seconds earlier. And right away, like this, win the draw, get it down the ice. No, no, let's 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 not do that. And it was, there was just no respite for Skinner. And this time it was a shot that he couldn't, uh, uh, he really had no no chance on. And it, was just, it was just too easy. And, you know, it nobody was... did anything horribly wrong. They just didn't, nobody got the guy's stick. Well, Kulak. Yeah, Kulak maybe. was way too soft. He was behind yeah. the guy. He just asked. It wasn't that hard to play for Kulak. Like sometimes a deflection play is difficult, Bruce. Like mm-hmm. if the guy's facing the sh- like if the guy's facing the shooter, the the offensive players facing the the point man is shooting it in. Right. Sometimes right, hard to get true. a stick then, right? But he could have easily got Kulak's stick. The, the shooter was kind of coming across the ice. He could have left it, and it was just a matter of. Concentration, intensity, timing, being there, and determining like he he, he is not going to deflect that puck, that point shot. And Kulak did none of those things, and it was deflected. I like Kulak as a player. I think he's a good third pairing left shot D man. I'm just not sure he's a penalty killer or a second pairing um, uh, defensive player. I don't know if he just has that kind of. Um, defensive intensity that it takes against the NHL's best players to shut them down. So uh, Tyson Berry, on the other hand, had a heck of a game. I thought he was really good. I came close to giving him eight by game of seven. I thought he was the making plays all over the ice again. Good for him. He's really confident with the puck. I've seen him pulling off one-on-one moves in his own zone. Yeah. You sort of say, well, the last guy back shouldn't be doing that, but he's just using, you know, you got lots of space to make moves. Yeah, when you're, you know when you're not in tight to the other team's net, and a good D-man will take advantage of that space and just create space for themselves by you know with shiftiness. And Barry is exceptional at that. And Barry, you'll just you know you'll have a forechecker on him in one second, and the next second the forechecker is over there somewhere, and Barry's over here with the puck looking to make a pass. And he he, uh, uh, he is uh, a very to me, very almost criminally underrated player in this town. Like, like so many people look at him and see $4.5 million. It could be spent better somewhere else. And how about giving him a little credit where it's due? I mean, Jesus, guy's got, I think he's got 12 assists in the last eight games now. And sure, some of them are second assists. In fact, many of them are second assists because what he does best is get the puck to Connor or Leon. And what they do best is get it to whoever's going to put it in the net. Which is often Leon or Connor, for that matter. But uh, it's it's he's he's a point guard, right? I mean, you don't expect a lot of goals, but boy, is he sure racking up the uh, the the helpers. And he got another one tonight. 
he he uh, he really is underrated. And in the last two years, especially, he started out slowly, and he's won me over both years by playing solid defensive hockey with his usual uh, solid passing. And you're right, Bruce. Like he he does do tricky moves with the puck back there on his own, but he pulls them off. There was one I think in the third period that I noticed where he, he kind of spun around with the puck to evade the Dallas four checker, and he did it. And he's capable of doing it because he is really good with the puck. So yeah, um, you know everyone's got this like love affair on on Twitter for Jacob Chikrin. And I don't know, maybe Jacob Chikrin is this really good player. I can't say. I haven't watched him 20 or 30 games, broken down the videotape, done the necessary video review work to have a solid opinion of the player. And I'm curious if the people who are so high on him have done that kind of work. Maybe they have. But, and maybe he, he would be the answer for the Oilers, but is he going to be, like Tyson Berry is, is he going to be better than Tyson Berry? Because Tyson Berry is really good. Like he's he's playing solid. I don't like him on the penalty kill. I will say no, that. I, I, I have to but at even strength, Tyson Berry is thriving. Like he's playing some of the best hockey, certainly since he arrived at the Oilers. And um, in the last two years with the Oilers at even strength, he's been a good hockey player. So numbers. Rushing it on the power play. Yeah. Not well. He's he's leading a historically good NHL power play. Well, he, yeah, he's part of it. I mean, he's number, I think he's number two in the NHL in goals for on per 60. Uh, just a couple of, uh, a fraction of a point behind, um, uh, is it Haskinen? And he's also number two in the NHL in points per 60 on the power play. He's training two different guys. One of them's Haskinen in one category, and the other one is... Well, again, one of the very, very top power plays. And you can say, well, it's because he's on such a good power play. Well, guess what? He's part of the power play and part of the reason why it's such a good power play. And again, his his contribution to that, to me, has been underrated. I think so. He's certainly shut people like me up who were arguing last year to have Bouchard on the power play. I mean, the owners are saving money. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yes. uh, not having Evan Bouchard. And, and, but he's... He's looked, Tyson Berry has just looked and I think functioned better than um, Bouchard on the power play this year. He's he's earned that spot again this year and um, good for him. He's just, uh, he's crushing it. All right. Um, what is your number? I'm going to go with number three. Uh, and that is number of points Oilers earned on this road trip. Uh, and as soon as they, they won the game and the TV guys were talking about getting the split on how the dad's got to split on the dad's road trip. And I'm saying that's a Bettman split. You know, that's the way you want to get a split. You get a win and an overtime loss. And all of a sudden, with the win and loss, instead of treading water or worse, as you do against the league, you know, most on balance, uh, you get about two and a quarter points awarded uh, per team for every two games. Uh, so if you keep only getting two and out of two games, you're losing ground. But if you get three points in two games, you're gaining ground on the league. So by coming out of this road trip with two results, uh, the Oilers have actually taken a step back and at least made up some of the ground they lost on the recent two-game homestand. And so just like that, uh, uh, and by winning, I would say, the unlikeliest of the last four games, uh, one win, one regulation loss, two other losses, four points, and all of a sudden that three-game losing streak is almost ameliorated. 
with you know with a single victory because they were able to pick up these extra points in uh, two of the other games. And it's uh, I hate it. I hate the rule. I think it's the worst rule change in the history of all the sports that I've watched for my entire life. That's what I think about the betting point. Like I, th- I think it, I think it affects the integrity of the competition, and that's, that's a very harsh thing. But uh, you got to play to that rule because everybody else does. And so, coming out of a road trip, one zero and one is a much more successful road trip than one one and zero. And we'll take that three points back home and hopefully build on off of that. If the Oilers can play like they did tonight, there's more wins to come. All right. That was one of those comments where, you know, I can only say, tell us what you really think, Bruce. I've been telling it. I can point you to articles I wrote at Copper and Blue in 2008 and 09 about how much I hated the Bettman point rule then. And it's never been changed. And it's still wrong. IHF got it right and they figured it out in about 10 minutes. But this is the NHL. So, so, uh, you inspired me on my number, Bruce. I went to uh, Natural Stat Trick okay. to look up points per uh, points per sixty on the power play. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this is just individual points per sixty. Oh. It's the the owners have kind of dominated other otherworldly numbers right now. Unsustainable would be another way of putting it, but they have been. It's the season's almost. <laughs> Connor McDavid's he's fourteen points per sixty. Is, can that be? Can that be right? Yeah, well, he's got like yeah, it can fourteen be. points for sixty. He leads the NHL. He's number one. Um, Leon Drysaddle is uh, fifth in the NHL at ten point six points per sixty. And Tyson Berry is seventh in the NHL, Bruce. Seventh in the NHL at ten point three points per sixty. These are just. And Nuge is then um, just a little bit behind them at 9.1. Any D-men ahead of Barry, or is he now moved? Charlie McAvoy is ahead All of right, Barry that's the guy at 11, 11 points per 60. Okay. So there's only one other D-man uh, who's got more points. Uh, let me just see uh, total assists. And McAvoy's got way more second assists than Barry in that regard. He's got He's got 7.7. Second assists and Barry has 5.9. So um, there you go. Uh, Tyson Barry is crushing it on the power play, Bruce. He really is. And uh, he's he is a very unselfish player and a smart player. And he's just, he's becoming a smart player on defense as well. Something I thought I would never say. And I'm going to say this: Darnell Nurse should say, "Hey Tyson, how did you turn around your defensive game last year? What did you do?" And Tyson will say, well, I just started to really simplify things. I um, made sure I stayed on my right right side of my man in the in the in my own zone. And I didn't and I didn't try to force things up the ice. Oh, think I should try that. Yeah, Darnell, that would be a that would be a heck of a good idea at this point. And when he does pinch, which he he still does, and he does it very effectively, he's really good at keeping uh, Tyson. Yeah. And he's good at going right into the hash marks or deeper to do it. Uh, but one thing that has changed that that wasn't the case in his early time of his career here is when the defenseman made a bad pinch, all the forwards would get caught with him, and it would be a two-on-one. Whereas the uh, uh, this changed, especially last year, that when defensemen were beaten on bad pinches, there was a forward there, and it was just a two-on-two, and they usually 
had it covered. So I'm just going to look up goals per 60 on the power play. Sure thing. There we go. <clears throat> and for guys that, that played significant minutes, we have Tage Thompson, number one, at 6.06. .06. Connor McDavid, number two, at 5.36. And Leon Drysaddle, number three, at 5.32 goals per 60. Five goals per 60 on the power play. Two guys on the team. They're tied for the lead lead with 13 power play goals each. The and only problem. Incredible how good is Edmonton's power play. Yeah. The only problem with Tage Thompson and Leon Dreisaitl is they're not Canadians. <sighs> I'd like to see them play uh, for Team Canada one day, but not, not going to happen. All right, Bruce. Uh, the next game is Friday. Friday. Yep, home game against the Canucks. Oh, just big one. You got to win that one because that that's yeah. a, that'll be a sneaky awful loss. Yeah, so, yeah, you don't want a sour taste in your mouth over the entire Christmas holiday either, right? Yeah, they could lose that one because you know, any every the Canucks aren't a terrible team; they're an okay team and they can score. The Oilers just have to bring their game that they brought tonight. And what you want to see is something they can build on. And to me, this was a building block kind of game. I agree. They they can sort of say, well, you know, we got more than one way to beat a team. This was a very good team that the Oilers beat, and they beat them with new line combinations. Uh, I thought they played a hard physical game, Edmonton, right from the start. Like the thing that stood out for me in the first ten minutes was a was a heavy body checking that was going on, and they held their own in that department. And, uh, they were in it to to win it. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. How's the new mic work out, by the way? I you, 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 your voice sounded like a Frank Sinatra on a good day, Bruce. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's coming through loud and clear after it's the recent great, fiasco, that's uh, that's good. It's, it's, it's less to me. It sounds at least a little. Uh, doesn't like it. Uh, it does sound more uh, dulcet, like, like less tinny, like more uh, softer, softer tones, and it sounds really good. So this Frank Sinatra comment was just a little bit of hyperbole, but not much. All right. Thanks again, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. That was our mandatory 1950s pop culture reference. <laughs>